When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everybody. Hope everyone is having a great week. We are in the home stretch, getting ready for the 4th of July weekend. Hope everyone has some great plans to take it easy and recharge as we come back to be, you know, recharged so that we can then take on the second half of the year and finish strong in 2023. If you're new to sustainable success here now on the Voice America Business Channel, welcome. Again, you can listen to any of our episodes uh, in the past here on the Voice America Business Channel, formerly the Influence Channel, which we were on. And also you can listen to on Apple Podcast as well as our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 20 or 17. That's Sustainable Success uh, 17. Feel free to reach out and follow us there as well. Again, we got a, a great show for you planned today. Our show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types, an opportunity to rekindle old relationships and meet new people for the first time. This takes all the noise out of social media because it is a membership program and you have the opportunity to generate genuine and authentic relationships with people that perhaps you have not spoke to in a while and with new people. Perhaps this could be an opportunity to land your next business venture or that new job. Feel free to check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. Well, as I mentioned, we got a great show today. We're going to be talking about prioritizing employee well-being for organizational success. And as we've talked about in the past, we've covered a lot of different well-being topics here. We get, we understand the sustainable success way is that we look for things to keep us in harmony. It's not about balance, but it's about harmony, being in that alignment. And if well-being is not being addressed, how can we anticipate that employees are going to be engaged and operating at a higher level in terms of efficiency and productivity? Well, we got the right person in place today that's going to be sharing her experience, words, and wisdom in this particular area. Her name is Joyce Lynn White, someone I personally know and respect, and she's going to be sharing some information here. And before I introduce Joyce, I'm going to give you a little background. She is a business innovation strategist and founder of Joyce Ventures, LLC, and a partnership and impact officer at thegoodlife.ai. You're going to find out more about Good Life here and all the great things that they're doing to help companies and individuals in the AI space. She has over 40 years of experience of learning and working with organizations and is nationally recognized in the areas of positive change leadership, building culture and community, professional development, behavior, diagnostics, and an analyst. She uses her successful career in education to launch her own consulting and coaching business, Joyce Ventures, and she's skilled and experienced at leading individuals and organizations through a wide variety of different things, through change, particularly in the area of well-being. And you're going to learn a lot about that. Now, I could keep going on and on and all the experience Joyce has had working with corporations, also with entrepreneurs. But without further ado, we welcome Joyce uh, Lynn White to the show. Joyce, how are you doing today? Hey, Chris. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We are so excited to have you here. So, you know, when we talk about well-being, employee well-being, this has been a 
you know, a topic that's been at the forefront, you know, for the last few years, especially when, you know, COVID emerged and people were displaced and companies were operating remotely. And then all of a sudden people started to come back, but not exactly that they all came back. Some people were still working remotely and, and so on. So when we took up, when we look at organizational success in kind of the dynamic that we're in, you know, right now going forward, why is this more important than ever? Well, uh, I imagine you ha really have your finger on the pulse of this too, Chris, um, out yep. speaking to all the people you are. But, you know, let me ask you a question to kick that off. Sure. What do you hear that people are struggling with since the pandemic? And do oh. you think it's more? Yeah, I, I would some say. Numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would say that when it comes to when with employees, when, you know, when I'm talking with HR directors, managers, and you know, just companies in general, it always comes down to absenteeism is an issue. There's uh, also uh, workplace performance issues. Job burnout has been a big thing. And just overall, again, avoiding job burnout. Many, many companies are concerned that, you know, because a lot of employees are now taking on multiple roles, being overworked, there's that 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 tendency towards job burnout. So they're looking for ways to kind of find some harmony. I like to use the word harmony over balance in terms of work life and, you know, just ways that they can kind of cut down on the absenteeism, especially with the younger generation where they're seeing a lot of you know, Gen Z and younger millennials where, you know, people are more absent on average than the other way around. So those would be oh. probably the issues that are taking place mainly in the co corporate space. That I, yeah, that I well, we have some, here's some information about that. So that supports that. So the World Economic Forum reports that, here we go, you talked about remote workers, 50% of remote workers feel isolated and disenfranchised. Now here's mm -hmm. another one, 83% of people working, not just remote workers, are saying they are reporting more stress since the pandemic. They're reporting stress. Now, stress translates into all the things you mentioned, overwhelmed, working more than one job, issues at work, issues at home, and all this costs a lot of money. So the money adds up to the World Economic Forum says by 2030, it'll be $6 trillion of wow. loss. It's a lot of money. Yes. Then you went on to mention uh, millennials or Gen Z. So that's a population of our workforce that really does care a lot about the company culture. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially, I believe it or not, even more so the Gen Z in some yeah. ways. There's a lot of characteristics that Gen Z uh, align with baby boomers, except that, you know, there are, you know, the Gen Z, I think, have characteristics of both baby boomers in terms if they feel like they're included and they feel like they're, they're, their needs are being met on some level, they're going to be committed to their roles. But yet they like the flexibility and that millennials, you know, have come accustomed to. Yeah. And they can have that flexibility, can't they? Because they yeah. can move you know, from one job to another, the more technical our jobs are, the more remote our jobs are, we have that, they have the ability to work a little while. And if they're not happy there, they can go on to something else. 
so in the in a um, in a study from Harvard uh, that was reported that here you go, ninety one percent of Gen Z and millennials believe that the organizational culture should support well being. So that's what ninety one percent are going to be looking at. What does it feel like? How am I valued when I work in this organization? They're going to look at the money, but they're going to look at that, that their well-being matters and what they care about matters. So that translates into, you know, what kind of social impact for people and for our environment is there. So it's a more full-bodied organization that they're looking for, and then they will engage. They will, they want to be part of it. It's, they don't want to be disenfranchised. They want to be part of it but they see the world as a better way. They want it to be better than generations before. And they care about that, Gen Z especially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, so true. What do you see, I mean, Joyce, when when you look at like where things are right now overall, you know, you know, you know, when it comes to well-being, it's always a personal thing, right? You know, we, you know, nobody's going to be able to you know, make us well, you know, unless we decide that we're going to do the things that are going to make us well. But what do you feel like overall could be companies, regardless of size, can be doing to kind of help people recognize this in themselves? Like, you know, that it's not, it, when it comes down to somebody's well-being, it's always going to be your responsibility, right? You, the person. But what can companies do to kind of, you know, put that out there, you know, to have people be, you know, aware of, you know, why they should be, you know, prioritizing their well-being, you know, when it comes to, you know, stepping up themselves in their careers and whatever's important. Let's see, that's, I had to unpack that one a little bit. <laughs> There's a lot in that question. Yeah, no, it's just like you said, like, what do you feel like when it comes to like employee well-being, you know, like what, like what can companies be doing to, you know, to put it out there, like, you know, make sure that, you know, people are are informed that type of thing. So it's again, a lot of times people may not know things because they're it's not shared with them. Right. So I'm going to take the first part of that. When when you say, Chris, what can companies been be doing? They need to practice what they want. So if they want it to be different, they need to be different. So that starts you know, with shifting some of their practices from a reactive type practice to a positive proactive practice. So this, you know, that's the top umbrella. And if we're gonna have a proactive practice as an organization, uh, how are we gonna tell people that we believe that? Yeah. Is it gonna be in our mission statement? Is it gonna be in our vision statement? Okay, check, check, done that, we did that, now what? Now we have to put it into practice. So we need to get it into, because we know what we measure gets done. So yeah. we need to put it in our goals and benchmarks and objectives, right? As a company. And then uh, that translates down to how we are doing business and what we measure. So then, so then we say very pragmatically, well, what does this look like? Now let's ask that question. Hmm. If we care about this, and this is part of our mission to show people we care about them, 
And we know we're reading all the trends. We see all the information. We heard these statistics Joyce just said, right? Yeah. So now what do I do about it? What do I do? What do I do differently than I was doing before? So simple things like asking questions and listening. So instead of telling. So that's a proactive approach asking what you know questions and then actually listening to the responses and then taking some actions that requires being transparent is yeah you is transparency a value of your company or you mentioned authenticity you know in the beginning so authenticity and transparency um is that a value so then what does that look like when we're working with employees right how do we provide for that do we have um flexible, any type of flexible scheduling to show that we care? Do we, you know, how do we know what our employees really want? That comes back to asking those questions. Sometimes we don't ask the questions because we're afraid to hear the answers because we don't know what we're going to do with the answers, right? Yep. The answers come in as a company and we're like, well, oh God, now what? <laughs> <laughs> now we have to do something because they said this or do we shove it in the filing cabinet? and ignore it. Well, that comes back to what do you want as a company? Do you want to attract this 91% of Gen Z and millennials that feel their well-being should be supported? Well-being doesn't always mean you need to make every person happy. It means in your word, Chris, you care about that harmony because yes. it's, it's a harmony of work and life and what are the things you need? So I have a little story from my history. Please, yeah, please share. So my um, my stepmom, her name is Vivian, or well, she's passed a long time. You can, with my 40 years of experience, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. So she's passed away a long time. But in her uh, 50s, she started a company in downtown Chicago, a manufacturing company. Now, this was pretty unheard of. You can say in the 50s that a 55-year-old woman would be starting a company. Yeah, let alone just a woman in general at that oh, age. Oh, no kidding, yeah. right? So she she's a great role model. She transitioned her life as a dancer into a manufacturer of costumes and designs and stuff like that. So, so she... Um, you know, hired people and um, the people I I interviewed her particularly about the people part of her business because she said for 12 years, she only ever lost one employee from her start. So wow. I'm like, how does that happen? How, how does that happen? And so she told me some stories, um, you know, one employee, here's one, you know, this is a myopic story, but it it, it translates to the bigger picture. One woman who was a good worker, as she described her, but she started coming late and not showing up on time and, you know, just having problems. So she brought her in and talked to her first. No, she brought her manager in first and asked her manager to see if she could find anything out. The manager couldn't, didn't know, was a dead end. So uh, Vivian brought her in and talked to her and she actually had a problem with childcare. So what she did then was bring all the employees together because many of them took the train from an area of, you know, a suburbs of Chicago and they were in regionally some of the same areas, I think. 
So they found a solution together of how to solve this for the woman. And then that solved that problem. So when I say earlier, you know, the buzzword of flexible scheduling or adapting, find out what the workers need. Another thing that they needed, which this was new to me, it was unheard of then, but she created a lunchroom for her employees. Now that wasn't a norm in the yeah. They didn't have a place with a little refrigerator and a this and a that, but these people had to take the train, she said, at least an hour in and an hour back, and that cut into everything. And so she created this space for them. So things like list, asking questions, and we could call it doing your market research for your employees, but asking questions and listening and see how you can come up with equitable yeah. solutions that create a win-win for the employer and for the employee. Wow. That creates well-being. It does because again, it it's what you said, Joyce. I mean, even back in that that time, I mean, this is going back sixty, not yeah. almost seventy years ago, you know, and that you know that she was listening and people felt heard and 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 that is well-being because when people feel like hey, they've been heard, they're more likely to be open up about things that they that maybe could be holding them back and that they can now feel psychologically safe to share. And, and that's always, in my opinion, always a, a, a great recipe for engagement and, and bringing, you know, not only engagement, but people coming together now to complement one another, you know, in terms of their role and duties, not like they depend on each other. And every employer puts a lot of money into hiring practice, to retention, to training, and then we know recruitment costs a lot of money. So from this perspective of this story, what would it have cost her not to do that? Mm. There were some associated costs in time, effort, maybe construction, you know, maybe adjusting of a schedule, uh, you know, the time of day, because she collaborated with other businesses in the building too. So I'm sure it took a little effort to do this, but what's the cost of not changing? Yeah. You know, it's only when we get outside of our comfort zone. She went into that not knowing the answer. I don't, she didn't know how to fix this. So when we, we as an organization don't know how, we ask better questions. Just keep asking those questions. Of, and if it's not now, it's when. So does that, does that answer a little bit? With oh, the, absolutely does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. So, so true. We all know that picture of the comfort zone, you know, and if, if you don't get out of it, you know, how are you going to change, grow, and actually transform? So she transformed the way business was done. Wow, that's fabulous. And I know we got less than a minute to the break, Joyce, but this was a powerful story that you shared, especially you know, the timing too, that it just went so back. She was a woman mm -hmm. way ahead of her time in terms of seeing the bigger picture of, you know, employee well-being and, and helping to bring people together. So to offset some of these particular issues that could be yeah. like tardiness and retention or, you know, retention, absenteeism and so on. So, so important. I know you got more to share here shortly. <laughs> and I know we got to go to break here, but when we come back, you're going to be talking a lot more and some of the other things that are important priorities when it comes to employee well-being for organizational success. 
So again, if you're just joining us here, uh, we're talking about prioritizing employee well-being for organizational success with Joyce Lynn White. We got more to come. And when we come right back, Joyce is going to do a, a deeper dive into some of the other areas that can help move your employee well-being agenda strategy to the next level. And we'll be right back after the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back, everybody. If you're just joining us, we're talking about prioritizing employee well-being for organizational success. We're here with Joyce Lynn White. We highly encourage you to listen to this show in its entirety here later today at the Voice America Business Channel. Uh, this is a really important topic more than ever now for organizations, regardless of size. And Joyce, you had shared a really interesting example, something that, you know, even go way back to the 50s, you know, and it, a, a woman-owned business, let alone at that time, and how you know, from like, a, like she was like a visionary already, like how she could see things that at that time were not happening and what she was doing to really, really create a psychologically safe, but yet a, 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 a place where people could work, where well-being was in the forefront, whether she knew that consciously or not, <laughs> that was the case. So <laughs> it was being done. So, which was fantastic. And I know you know, that we, we have organizations here that are much larger than the example, that, including we do have small businesses here. But it, I know you would like to share an example of something on a larger level. I know it, it goes back to your educational days in, in the education industry. If you could share some more insight, because again, stories really, when you share stories, they really resonate. And I know our audience will get a lot of value from that. Okay, thanks, Chris. Well, let me give you a little background. So you mentioned my company, Joyce Ventures. Well, a whole chapter of my life before that, I worked in um, 
uh, public education on a regional, state, and national level. So on those levels, what I worked with was uh, working with changing systems from kind of what I mentioned in the beginning, from reactive educational systems, schools, we're talking about when we say educational systems, and their policies and practices being reactive to proactive. Because with, with a more proactive system, you're, in the case of other organizations, your customers can flourish and your employees can flourish. In the case of public school, our target audience are students, right? The students and the teachers can flourish. So um, what I did for most of my career there is work with uh, national leadership in creating these systems and then working with specific schools, districts, and getting it in at statewide levels to have these systems change. So yes, for a story. Um, I have a lot of experience with, you know, working with school boards, principals, administrators, and finding out how to get buy-in for them to do this. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, organizations, you uh, need to get out of your comfort zone. You have to ask yourself, do you really want to do that? And then you say yes, and then you face, oh my God, it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> how do I do this? Like, I'm already busy, right? How, how can I make this shift? Well, once you, there's a, there's a way of implementing this that it's in sort of phases, you know, so that you can make things change and you don't do it all at once. You create a blueprint or a roadmap and then you can make these things change. So uh, a story of me working, uh, let's stay with, let's say a table of 12 people. And they were having a challenge. We're in year, year two already. So when you have any organization and you have a group of leaders around the table, everyone has their own responsibilities. So sometimes they have a little bit of blinders on of how to make something work because they're busy thinking and responsible for their jobs, right? And so then the time to see how this can work together. So one day, uh, and this particular group was having a challenge. <laughs> Getting, you know, they sort of wanted to buy in, but they're so busy being busy, they had a hard time like making a shift to, they had a mandate even to make this happen and they still had a, a, a trouble making a shift. So I actually bought in bread dough, not baked bread, but bread dough. And I, as I was talking, I broke this bread dough into three big strands. I mean, it was a lot of dough across a whole table and because really with 12 people, there were still three sort of areas of interest that people feel, felt they couldn't do this because they had to satisfy this, uh, their own outcomes, so they couldn't buy into what was happening. So as I was demonstrating, I actually braided the bread dough into one loaf and, you know, they then got it how together their needs their needs and their needs could all be satisfied into one thing and make this blueprint happen because everybody doesn't have to do everything. 
in a in a reactive system, often departments don't work together. They have a challenge to work together because they all have their own reports to do. They have, you know, those kind. Let's say it's a report. In this case, it was grant money coming in. Mm. You know, so if they have their own reports, I help them find ways that those reports actually parts of them are duplicated. They aren't this. They aren't all the same. The reports. So they could, uh, in this case, there was ways for them to sort of get parts of the reports from each other and just fill in the specifics that they needed, saving each department a lot of time and then satisfying the overall goal. Mm. That How that is effective. So in, the, in a school's case, the, the student is their income. It's They don't measure it so much in dollars. They measure it in grades and they measure it in different ways, but um, there is dollars attached to everything, right? So just like a company, this saved each department a lot of money. And in this case, it increased their most valuable thing, which was student contact time, because they were taking department heads away from students to write reports. So students got substitute teachers. They got less master teachers. So they got poorer instructions. Therefore, their grades went down and behaviors went up kicked out of the classroom, so to speak, right? So when you look at the system, how, and that's what I do, my master's is organizational leadership. So you you look at the data and see what's really happening and how can you adjust that system with practices that help people thrive, Hmm. right? And not duplicate their work because there's a lot of duplication and overlap in, in, production of the what people are actually doing. I know we look at that in numbers. You know, we do gap analysis, but if you do those gap analysis, you can also see what people are actually doing and asking them, you know, what would make that easier. People don't always know you have to observe and there's a lot of things to that. But um so that was a kind of fun activity because it did flip the switch. I got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> And things went zoomed after that. Um, and then, you know, so that's that's a larger organization um, the, as an example of adjusting practices so that our employees and our recipients, whoever they are, can thrive. We focus that way a lot on customers. We watch that with customers. We don't watch it as much with employees. Would you agree? I agree. I, and I think, you know, I'm always an advocate if we're going to create better customer experiences or more valuable experiences, that always starts with what's going on inside the company, what's happening yeah. with the people individually as a team and as an organization working together for that to reflect outward. I had a, I was in a, you know, big box store and, um, with a phone, you know, we have problems with our phones. So I had a really dilemma and this young man helped me a lot. And he had, he gave me full on attention. There were a lot of other people there clamoring for his, uh, uh, you know, time. And uh, I really appreciated it. I so appreciated it. And I really kind of gushed over him and thanked him for doing that. And I was very specific about what was beneficial to me, not just thank you, I really appreciate it, but I said, you did this, you did this, you did this, and all those things helped me so much. And his response to me was, 
Wow. That's really great that you say that. I wish my company would say something like that to me. Mm. That's really telling, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, when you say that, it's just something, you know, a lot of times we people think it's money that just motivates people to, it's it's those simple gestures, you know, the, the appreciation, the gratefulness, and and that simple thank you, like you said, can go a long way. That's what adds up into this statistic. 91% of Gen Z and millennials want their well-being to be cared about. When we see numbers, we don't put real people stories to it. But mm. when you this young man at, you know, the big box store, and that's what adds into that number to say, yeah, you don't really care about me. You care about the customers only, but not me. And that that trickles down to exactly what you said. You know, do the managers walk the floor looking for what's wrong or for what's right? Yeah. Yep, it's so true. But it, they only look for what they're told to look for. It's not, I'm not picking on managers, you know, because what are what are they graded on? What are, you know, their performance reviews. Does performance review include how many times have you recognized one of your employees for a job well done? Maybe not, right? No, yeah. I mean, it could be one of those in those MBOs, yeah. You get what you're looking for. So that's when I say this term like shift from reactive to proactive, that's an example, you know, one example. There isn't like a top, I, I could make a top five list, you know, but that gets kind of vanilla. You get mm -hmm. to an organization and you can do this, but you phase things in on the practices that you do. Yeah. No, I agree. That was a great, great point that we're sharing sharing there, Joyce. And and this is so important. What would be some of the things that, you know, people that are listening, like if, you know, if when it comes down to prioritizing employee well-being, I mean, there's so many things that can be done, right? And the, always the hardest part is getting started, you know, and so what would be something you could suggest would be that first step? What could be a, like a first step? And it can, doesn't, I guess it doesn't have to be it's like one thing, but but if it is, it is. But but what, what could be that first step they could take? I'd say the first step is look in your vision and mission statement and see if it says anything about the people that you're serving, hmm. which means your employees, not your customers. Yeah. So does it does it say anything? Do you have anything in your objectives? Do you have anything in your belief statements, you know, or values that say you care about that? Yeah. Many companies have their values, but they don't say how they demonstrate that. So that would be the very next step. Let's say you do have values, transparency. So what does transparency look like for HR? What does it look like for production? What does it look like here? So how is that going to implement? I'll give you another story, a simple story. So I'm teaching gymnastics at the Y. Everybody knows the YMCA. The YMCA does have values. So when I'm teaching was, teaching little six-year-olds, I'd say today we're practicing respect. Respect looks like, a, uh, we're, we're going to say respect looks like a safety, meaning we're going to stand 12 inches behind the person in front of us because they're going on the short little balance beam. It's two inches off the ground. But... We don't want them to fall. We don't want to bump them. Nobody's going to get hurt. So that's what respect looks like today. The grown-up version of that can be done in organizations. Mm. So what's that look like? 
right? We can ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And and those questions are, you know, uh, you know, that we would you say have to be not like once in a while, but you know, you know, sometimes we have to say it multiple times just because we want to make sure that we're specific, clear, and concise, and people can really we can really relate and understand and people are hearing it. Right. It can be really in the, you know, onboarding handbook, you know, yeah. so that we have that. And what does this look like? We have nice mission statement, nice vision statement. We have our values. What does this mean? What does this look like at our company? Mm. You know, this is how we behave here. So yeah. because what do we want as an outcome? Outcomes driven. We want blank, blank, blank employees. We want, uh, for your show, we want uh, happy, uh, healthy habits <laughs> for our employees, right? We want sustainable outcomes for the company. Yeah. So many companies are moving towards getting uh, coaches, life coaches, you know, and hiring in live life coaches. And there's there's a lot of benefits to having life coaches available to mediate challenges employees are having before they get really big. Companies have EAP programs, you know, when that's yeah. more of a crisis intervention though. So the question a company organization leader wants to ask is, do I have to wait till something gets that bad? Yeah, instead of being reactive, let's be proactive. Yeah. Respond versus react. Right. So, you know, companies are leading into that, having hiring in life coaches or coaches that can be accessible, maybe not in person. Sometimes it's just in writing, you know, they have an appointment and work with a life coach. So that is also another thing to consider. And there's good data that that is working. I actually have a report I'll mention at the end that gives some data on that. Yeah, no, we'd love to hear that. And uh, I know we got a, about a minute and a half or so to the break, and I know you got you got more to share. Anything else that you would like to, you know, round out this segment that you that you shared on, starting with your powerful story in the education space and everything you've shared up to this point? We got about a minute for the break. I'd love to see if you could summarize uh, the the key points that you talked about with the audience. Well, I I talked about you know having making a decision first. You have to make a decision if you care about the well-being, even if you don't understand yet what it translates into dollars saved. There's a lot of numbers out there, and the, the report that I have will tell you many of those numbers. So you, you're making a decision to be different. Yeah. And then you have to be brave and have courage. So first you make a decision. You have to have courage to make a difference. And then you you go about that, finding people that can help you make that transition. So, and then there's practices. So maybe you 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 yeah. know sit down with your team and decide if you have any of those practices in place. Yeah. Or where can you start putting them in? Yeah. The costs are staggering. So stress is causing a costing organizations like staggering amounts. If you oh, amazing. Hundred employees, sixty-two are struggling with stress-related problems. Two hundred and thirty days are lost annually of the from those sixty-two people, and for yeah. every hundred people, it's one hundred eighty-nine thousand bucks. Yeah, as no, reported so by the workforce, United States workforce reports. Yeah, 
Well, I know, Joyce, you got more to share. This is some valuable information we're talking about here, you know, uh, prioritizing employee well-being for organizational success. We'll be right back after the break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Well, welcome back. We're talking about prioritizing employee well-being for organizational success. We're here with Joyce Lynn White. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct, a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types, chance to meet new people, as well as rekindle old relationships. It's a membership program with a wide array of different programs and services that are not available to the general public and a great, great for business owners and those looking to get into their own business. Check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumni direct.com. So Joyce, you had shared so much valuable information here up to this point, talking about, you know, you know, prioritizing employee well-being, what it means to the organization, regardless of size in terms of their success. And you laid out some of the, you know, the key areas that, you know, organizations could be looking into. You shared stories. Talk a little bit about the importance now of tools and resources, particularly digital resources and tools that could help in this particular area to really bridge the gap and create more awareness, accountability, and traction towards achieving desired metrics, performance results, that type of thing. Yeah, okay, thanks, Chris. Well, I'll backtrack a little bit to the story that I was talking about, the time in my career while I was working with changing organizations and the educational systems. Well, what we didn't have then was a way to track the data. There weren't systems that could, there were a little bit archaic (laughs) and very hand-driven ways to track whether these changes that were being made were working because 
these are behavioral changes. So I've always looked for systems to be able to do that. So we can look at qualitative and quantitative data and come up with a summary of how things are changing and you know, based on what outcomes we're hoping for. So fast forward, you know, I started my own business and then now you mentioned in the beginning um, that I was part of a company called thegoodlife.ai. So in 2017, um, I met with uh, a woman named Stephanie Frank, who I previously known, and a man, Bryce Kuhlman, who became the co-founders of this company, thegoodlife.ai, and we formed a team. And I was like thrilled. My background is, uh, you know, I mentioned organizational leadership, but my expertise specifically is in like positive psychology, all psychology, all different behavioral uh, diagnostics and also behavioral change programs like cognitive behavioral therapy, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> emotional intelligence, all those different diagnostics. So uh, we came together and we had an essential question. Bryce is more the technology, Stephanie is some too, but we asked the question, how, uh, with our ex joint expertise, how can we marry positive psychology with smart technology? So with that question and a long road, a path working together, we developed a few products and this product that today, what I'm talking about, that I'm the, uh, social impact officer and partnership officer of The Good Life is a digital coach. In the previous segment, I talked about, you know, live life coaches. Well, we're moving in, we are in the age of AI and technology. Uh, the thing that I want to emphasize about our AI is that it's a closed AI. This is not the wild west of open source AI. So this, we are HIPAA compliant and, you know, it's a closed system. But what a digital coach does, can do, our coach is named Jeannie. We, she is a chat-based program. So you pretty much have a chat on your phone with this coach using evidence-based practices and behavioral science and you talk to her. So an example might be is Jeannie, you know, I want to do a check-in. She checks your well-being. Uh, if if you want, you know, she asks you if you want to do that, you do a check-in, you say, Oh, gee, Jeannie, you know, like I'm having a problem today. Like I let's say you're in sales. I gotta make these phone calls and I've been procrastinating and I just can't make myself do it. So Jeannie goes through coaching with you like a live coach. It's the same practices as a live coach. And, you know, she'll ask you, where is this happening uh, in your life? You know, and go through different questions and come up with a with an activity for you to help you with that procrastination or fear, wherever that's coming from. Now you might ask, how does she know? Who am I? How does she know who's on the other end? This is a AI. Like, how does she know anything? Well, that's what's unique about this. And that's the part that I'm very excited about is that it's personality-based. So Jeannie knows who you are because you've told her through chats, not through taking a whole bunch of tests, but through chats and different questions and the magic of very smart technology, she understands your personality. 
She knows your values. She knows your strengths uh, and your emotional intelligence and even more things. So when she offers something to you, you're going to say, wow, that was just right for me. How did she, out of all the things she could have chose to help me with, how did she know that? Because she understands. So a good coach, what they're there for is to help you be your best. Mm. Not to tell you what to do, but to help you uncover that and live your best life. It's the good life, right? Live, live your best life. So does that make sense to you, Chris? It makes total sense. Yes, absolutely. And And talk a little bit about, you know, now with this technology, you know, Joyce, I mean, you know, we, and I mean, obviously people are familiar with chat GBT. That's been all the buzz lately, but there, you know, you, I mean, you actually, you know, you, with, you know, with the good life, you had actually had, you had this in beta and already had launched prior to that. And, and, you know, and talk a little bit about like how these types of tools can really especially from the accountability part, because yeah. I think that, that's the most important thing. Great, there are great resources for awareness. Right. But, but awareness is only as good as you, you, you know, if you apply what you're learning to, to do something that improves your well-being. If, if it's just awareness, then that's all it is. If you could share some insights to that. Yeah, that, that's really great, Chris. So, yeah, so how do people use this? You know, is this just like... Uh, Right. You're calling it awareness, you know, that's just sort of one and done. You know, it's not because the the coach, um, you have uh, understanding of all those things I said to you. So you come up with what we call your hero profile. You have a hero within. And uh, then you understand she teaches you about yourself. You also have every time you come in, you'll you have little charts that say tell you about your well-being, tell you about how what day, what your mood is on what day over time. So maybe you'll see on Tuesdays, maybe you weren't aware of this. On yeah. Tuesdays, your mood is sort of in the tank, you know, at what time of day. And then there's some trends to that. When you have data and you have historical data, then you can have projective data. So you can anticipate what might be. So now you're very interested in healthy habits, the whole theme of this show. So Jeannie helps you create those habits to adjust those trends so that you can move up the scale. So she's aware of that too. Now you can, you don't only have to come with a problem. Let's say you want to learn more about a certain topic. You can ask and she'll give you information about that topic and you can ask for more and more. She'll ask you, is that enough? Do you want to learn more? Let's say you want to set yourself a challenge. Productivity, Chris, so you can go on a quest. She teaches you how to write goals. You you write your goals, your to-dos. She reminds you, you get texts. She tells you the dates that they're due, you know, and, and brings you back in. So um, I, I give this example, like how can a di- how can a digital coach feel real? So, and what I think is so important, how no two people are treated alike. So I remember distinctly one of my college experiences. I, the first college I went to in my undergrad was a very small college, and then I'm like, Dad, I want to go someplace bigger. I want to get out of here. You know, I want to go to L.A. And he says, well, you can go to Salt Lake City. Your brother lives there. So I went that far. 
And mm-hmm. then I'm in a in a class with, you know, 700 people instead of, you know, 30. So I'm sitting next to somebody and this professor's talking and it was like he wasn't talking English. Like I didn't understand it at all what they were saying. And I turned to the this person next to me and I said, "Do you get this?" And he said, "He's the best instructor I've ever had." Mm. Well, that teacher was teaching to that person's learning style, but not mine, because I didn't get it. Have you ever had that kind of experience where two people hear the same content and they're like, what are they saying? What's going on? And the other person thinks it's the best thing since sliced bread. It has to do with your learning style. So when Jeannie, the coach, understands that, so when she talks to you, she's going to talk to you differently than someone else. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And and I and, and is it safe to say that as it gets more information, it really starts to really really get to really know now some of the things that picks up on the things that can yeah. really start tapping in to help you because it builds that intelligence. It builds the intelligence, right. Yeah. And now I want you to remember this is a closed system. This is a patented closed system. So it's not going out to any open source, back and forth, bringing anything in. This was all built in the engine inside of it, in the architecture. Now, how can this help companies? How can this help an organization? We we provide this to organizations for their employees or associations, any type of organization. Well, how can it help them? As an aggregate data, how do you think it would help an organization, Chris? If they didn't know individual, we never give out any individual information, but as let's say that 100 people that I was talking about, 62 are struggling, 230 days lost. So if they're looking at a grouping of 100 people with cumulative or aggregated data, they know what days uh, of the week is the most stressed. Uh, uh, On the CDC move, yeah. And the CDC well-being metrics, they know of those 10 metrics, what area is the problem. Absolutely. What could, what could they do with that information? Yeah. And then being able to project that and say, oh, this April, this yeah. is what it looks like. What could it look like next April? Absolutely. Joyce, I know you have more to share, and I know you're going to be able, we're going to have you back on to, to elaborate further on a few uh, elaboration to this topic. We're towards the end of the show, and I want to make sure because we have less than a minute that we you can let people know how to oh, yeah. learn more about the good AI. How can they get a demo? How And how can they get reach out, get to know you? I you think the that first in. thing that they want to do is get our white paper from our uh, advisor, uh, psychologist, why leaders need to provide well-being support through personalized coaching. You get that at www.thegoodlife.ai slash workplace dash well-being workplace dash well-being and just going to the good life is how they get to me you'll see my little face down there at the bottom and fill out the form and get an appointment awesome well we highly encourage joyce we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us here today thank you you're welcome chris thanks so much for inviting me and happy birthday coming up thank you appreciate (laughs) it Well, we want to make sure you, the listeners, and those listening later, please get to know goodlife.ai. Reach out to Joyce on LinkedIn. Uh, Send her an email. Get to know her. Definitely somebody you should know. And again, you know, get, get, get that white paper. Get some more information and learn about the good life and how it can help 
your organization, regardless of size. If you also have any questions, reach out to us here at Chris or ChristopherSalem.com. We'll make sure to get that message also over to Joyce and the Good Life AI. Till then, everybody, have a great rest of your week. Have a great 4th of July, and we'll see you next Thursday at 3 p.m. East Coast time. Thank you for tuning into Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an incredible week.